Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to AMP by AMA Omaha, our local chapter podcast dedicated to marketing and the people who make it happen. I'm Jordan Maddox-Cop, president of AMA Omaha, and today we are amped to welcome Mallory Maddox, chief communications and marketing officer at Blue Cross Blue Shield Nebraska and a member of the first ever AMA Executive Advisory Council. We're excited to chat with Mallory on her background and career and how she made the jump from journalism to communications. Welcome, Mallory. Thank you so much for having me. And for anyone asking, we're not sisters. We do share a last name, but we're not related, but that's okay. OX versus EX. <laughs> so one of the things that we really want to talk to you about is going all the way back through your history and your career, because it is so fascinating to see somebody who's had extensive journalistic experience and then transitioning over to communication. So thinking back to college and even high school, did you know what you wanted to become? Absolutely not. <laughs> when I was in high school, I spent a lot of my time volunteering at youth shelters. My aunt ran a foster home. My mother was the at-risk counselor for the school district. And so that was really my passion was helping youths that were struggling. And I had planned to go to the University of Kansas to go to law school because my career path was I was going to be a judge. I wanted to be a judge from the time I was eight years old, I believe. I wanted to be a judge and help at-risk children. And that was always my career path until I went to college and had a professor from my hometown of Wellington, Kansas, a town of about eight or 9,000, depending on when you measure the population there. But she stopped me and asked me to take her journalism class. And I can remember at that point saying, I'm the quietest one in my family. I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> and so just stepped in and it was an introduction. It, it was magazine, newspaper, radio, and broadcast. And from that very first class, they brought in some of the top professors professionals, um, students that had been very successful in these careers. And I was just fascinated. How did you find it went from you being quiet to <laughs> somebody who's so articulate and comfortable presenting stories and being in front of the camera? I was a late bloomer. It took me a while to get there, and I had to hire a coach. So early on, I knew if I had to speak to crowds that I needed help. I really struggled with that. And with saying ums and those kinds of things presenters fall into. In fact, if, as I talk today, I will be able to tell you how many times I say um <laughs> when I finish up because I count myself as I work with people. That's why I'm really passionate now to be able to work with presenters and help them in a room because I know what that feels like to fail and I know that sick feeling in your right. stomach and I know what it's like to be an introvert and to be able to come out of your shell. And, you know, I think that that's something that I can bring in my new career to really help people build that skill. So do you remember what it felt like your first time on air? Like, let's talk about college days yes. and educational days, but then also when you made the transition to actual broadcast 
professional news. Joplin, Missouri. I was the 5, 6, and 10 o'clock producer, which I encourage anyone in journalism to start producing or reporting or really learning those those skills that can make you stronger as a reporter and as you go on. And our news director at the time came in, and I told them, I'll give you six months, and I really want to be on air, so I'd like to be a reporter. But I'll go ahead and start as a producer and get in there. And they came to me and said, our morning anchor is no longer here, and our morning anchor, the co-anchor's name is Alan, so we want you to be Al and Mal in the morning, so we're going to throw you on the morning show. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) It was so rough. And thankfully, Alan, he had a radio background, and he was just brilliant. He was so genuine and just fun to work with. And so he really made my first job. He made it a success, and I give him a lot of credit. He welcomed me. He didn't treat me like somebody just starting out. And we we just had a heck of a lot of fun at that point. They always tell you small market is where you have the most fun, and I truly believe that. But it's also where you decide how much you want to invest in your career, and they give you more opportunity. And so Alan Mal in the mornings, we're still friends today. (laughs) So when you did Alan Mal in the morning, did you also find that, you know, having that small market and being out there, you were able to connect the community in the way that you'd been thinking about from your initial career, like wanting to help people? Were you able to make those connections and get involved by using your time and your exposure on air. Absolutely. And I always feel that you get out of any job what you put into it. And I especially feel that with broadcast. I started my own breast cancer program. I teamed up with a hospital there. I also started my own consumer investigative franchise. And really, investigative journalism is my wheelhouse. It's how I began, and it's what I'm super passionate about. And, you know, I I would estimate I did over 500 events by the time, you know, I wrapped up broadcast career. But I did them because those were the moments you really you know what your community is about and you meet people. And often in my job, I'd have to meet people on the worst day of their lives. And so if I could meet them in that moment and have those connections and really learn how to connect quickly and how to um, bring compassion to any situation, it really helped me. And and also, I, I'm very proud to be in Omaha. I'm getting ready to celebrate 15 years here in two All right. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know we're happy to have you here. Well, thank you. So talking about your time at WOWT, like, what do you what do you carry with you as this is the moment in my career that like really stands out now that you've sort of stepped away from that side of your career? The moment that really stands out. You know, I I covered so many big stories. I think Honestly, I think Pilgrim, Nebraska is one of those days I'll never forget, and probably for a different reason than just the reporting aspect. But I know we, you know, I went in early that morning and they just said, go, just go find the stories. And and that's really, um, I had the freedom to do that there, and I really appreciated having that. I made 70-some phone calls on the way down. We were in three cities. And when you pulled into Pilgrim, you saw the line of news vehicles was longer than the length of the town and the devastation. But yet people would come out and offer us drinks or talk to us or or be so kind to us being there in that moment. And I remember thinking, watching your entire community, because I'm from a small town, devastated, but yet you're still so willing to just see how you can help others in that moment. And they really treated the news media with respect. And that day I'll never, ever forget. It's funny, like the second you say it, like you get a little bit of chills, you know, mm-hmm. because it is such a salient point in time for that community. Um, So talking about moving over to marketing and communications <laughs> from journalism, yes. like what made you decide, like, now's the time. I'm ready to make a transition and have a change. You know, it was really interesting because I had explored some other career opportunities along the way. I had also um, interviewed in a large market, and I knew 
at some point, my husband and I, we just knew Omaha was home. I, I knew I wanted to stay here. There were so many things about this city that I loved. My husband's from here. He graduated UNL, went to law school at UNL. So we made the decision. So that right there started, you know, limiting this is the, home base now. the growth potential, right. right? And then I went on a couple of, you know, exploration talks. I wouldn't even call them interviews and immediately just said no. <laughs> it was, yeah, you know, it's not I, right. I, and, you know, with broadcast, you have a lot of adrenaline. You, you're deadline driven. It's high energy. And I love that it was something new every day. That's one of my challenges as a person is not getting bored too quickly (laughs) because I'm always, I'm a lifelong learner. And so I always want what's new and what's next. And so I've had to work on that a little bit. But when the opportunity came up at Blue Cross, I went and interviewed with the new CEO. They were changing CEOs after 16 years (laughs) and sat down. And actually I... It's really funny. It was right after the Super Bowl. And so I came back from Minneapolis, and that was the hardest assignment I've ever done. It was four days. I think the wind chill was negative 20 degrees or something. (laughs) 17-hour days. We were hauling gear all through Minneapolis, and it it was a lot. And, you know, I have a son and a husband too. I should mention him. A family. (laughs) A family, yes, at home. But, you know, I I came back and my husband, he just said, you know, I don't know how much longer you can keep up this pace. I mean, he said, you're you're getting up at six o'clock in the morning with our son and you're getting home at midnight and you're doing events on weekends. And so we had that talk. And so I went into Blue Cross and sat down. Uh, Steve Granfield was our new CEO. He was getting ready to take over. And as disruptions happening in healthcare is so confusing, they really wanted some someone who could come in and simplify messages and, mm-hmm. um, you know, really relate to members and, and explain healthcare in a way that everyone, that it's easy, you know, easily digestible. And within five minutes of sitting down with him, I knew 100%. It was a job for me. I mean, it was that quick. I love it when you can connect to a company mm-hmm. and a culture. You just know, like, hey, I can speak this language. I can bring it to the people. And, and I knew he was somebody that I would learn from. I knew he was an exceptional leader, and he would push me. And they, and they have. I've had, you know, four mentors now at Blue Cross that have really pulled me in and pushed me and taught me how to be stronger. And I'm really appreciative of that. I, I didn't realize how much I missed it until I didn't have it. That absolutely makes sense. Um, making that move. Yes. Like, knowing that it's the time that, you know, your life has changed. You still have a love for storytelling and news. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for somebody who's ready to sort of step away from the reporting aspect of their life and into more of that communications type role? You know, I've had four different people in the industry reach out to me and ask me that very question. So I think that, you know, it's something that for me, it was just in my gut. I just knew. And I know that sounds... <laughs> gut checks are important. <laughs> you know, they are. I felt that way when I went to WOWT. I knew immediately it was the right station. And I stay at jobs a long time. I've never been one that leaves. I stayed in Joplin two more years than I anticipated. I stayed in at WOWT 13 and a half years. And my original contract, I think, was for three years. And so, <laughs> you know, I'm not a job hopper. And so I think that that gut instinct is important. But I also think that you have to be willing to fail. And that's really hard. So when you get to that point in your career, you feel like it comes easy and you're really knowledgeable and you've about seen everything and heard everything at that point. It's hard to walk away from that comfort zone. And I can remember a few times just being rattled to the core when I first made the switch and thinking, I still have so much to learn. But I also, you know, never felt you can't ever feel sorry for yourself. You never want to get in that mindset because you chose it. So it's like, just get back in there and learn or find the people that can help you navigate. I know that it's okay to learn, right? I mean, like we should never stop learning. We should never expect that we're in a place like no matter how senior, no Mm -hmm. matter what industry or how long you've been there, like you should always be willing to 
scrub up and learn a little bit more. <laughs> and that I think that is hard for some people to mm-hmm. see. Like it could actually dissuade somebody from making a change because they are so comfortable where they are and knowing that change, even if it's a similar role, mm-hmm. it's a whole new company, a whole new culture and whole new talking points. And And I have to be able to, I knew taking the job, I would have to say to the top leader in the company, because I was reporting, you know, I report right to the CEO, I have to be able to say, I don't understand that. Or can you explain that to me? And that's really hard for people. I think even people who have been in careers a long time, and really those are the moments I think you win people's respect. And and if they do question how you don't know something in the room, it's okay. It's okay to ask, but I would rather get the facts and get everything lined up and know what I'm talking about than walk out of the room and still have questions. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's really valuable information, not just for somebody who's considering a switch in career, but somebody who's just considering a switch in company, you know, like, because making that jump can be something else. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was an adjustment. It was so strange to me. The hardest part for me, honestly, was how quiet it was because versus the clatter of the newsroom (laughs) versus sitting by a police scanner for 20 years. (laughs) I remember thinking, well, they think it's odd if I bring in a police scanner and just plug it in just to (laughs) ease into it. That that was the hardest transition for me, honestly. I can see that's completely different work environment. So that makes sense. (laughs) It is. So what do you see as the difference between traditional news journalism and storytelling in the sense of representing a brand? So traditional news journalism, and I'm still extraordinarily passionate about this, it should be non-biased and you should not be driving opinion. You should be laying out the facts and letting people make that choice. When it comes to marketing, our job is to drive behaviors. It's still storytelling. It's still um, using the power of emotion or, you know, creating serendipity or, you know, really getting out there. It's creating something, but your job is to drive behaviors versus traditional journalism where I always thought a good story. I always felt successful when I would get comments on both sides of a story when you start looking and reaction because you can tell people thought about it differently and that you did a a very fair and balanced job. And I know more opinions are really filtering into journalism. And that was another reason I decided to leave. That was very hard for me because I, I was very traditional and I truly believe that people have the right to make up their own, you know, their own judgments or their own beliefs and that we shouldn't push those upon them. So I'm assuming that then when you had that immediate connection with Blue Cross Blue Shield, Mm -hmm. you were able to let that sort of down, knowing that you're absolutely willing to represent what that company represents. Because that has to be a connection you've got to make to make that jump of, you know, we're going to be completely objective to then like, we're also touting the company line, but we feel good about this company and we what it represents. And, you know, insurance companies, you know, they don't have the most favorable view similar to the media. So I think, you know, walking in and being realistic about that, but also some of the, um, some of the things behind closed doors that people don't know about and the compassion that goes into decisions and the nurses that we consult and our great provider relationships, you know, there's a whole side that people don't see. I grew up on Blue Cross for my family back in Kansas and, you know, I can remember my mom talking about it since my childhood and some of the protections that it provided our family. And so I, I certainly hope that, you know, there are families out there that have been positive. I know there are families out there that have been positively impacted. And, you know, it's I, I work with a mother who I did a story on her daughter, Savannah Ray, and it like went it went all over. The story did. Um, and, you know, it was it was really powerful to start working with her in that way and to be able to connect after doing that story. 
I love that. I love when mm-hmm. you're able to carry on something and actually, you know, it starts as a project and it ends up as a relationship, right. which is right. really fantastic mm-hmm. in any job mm-hmm. whatsoever. So as a part of an in-house communications team, what do you find is driving you every day now? How do you drive your team to see that same vision that you're carrying with you? I just think it's um, very important to bring the external view into that building because I have a lot of people on my team that have been there a long time and they're, they are great employees and great leaders. And I'm very fortunate because that helped me step into the role and really learn the industry a lot quicker. But, you know, one of my strengths or one of the reasons I was hired is because I think of things externally. And so I'll ask those questions as to what does that acronym mean? <laughs> you know, for right. us, we live and breathe it every day. But if I receive this in the mail, I wouldn't understand it. Or if I was telling someone about this, I wouldn't see that, you know, that true connection, or I wouldn't be able to figure it out. So the easier we can make healthcare in our communications, the better off we are. Healthcare is complex. Health insurance adds another layer of complexity. (laughs) And, you know, there are times where, and and we're a heavily regulated industry. So overnight, as we saw with the ACA, things change. And so, you know, I think just being able to remind them of how people digest information and how we can best communicate with them is very important. Have you found that in some of the things that you guys are putting together, like specifically video, that Mm -hmm. you've been able to bring that unique perspective of having produced news to (laughs) the in-house communications efforts? I don't know how many times I've said it's too long. (laughs) It's too long. (laughs) Short it up. Go back. Attention span. (laughs) Chop out 45 seconds and bring it back to me. We have an amazing team. Um, I have a great videographer on my team, and he is so skilled at both video and still photography. And I've never seen a photographer that has equal skills in both of those areas because they're two very different um, skill sets or talents. And so being able to work with him and see some of the work, you know, he loves having me there because I'll go down in the studio, I know all the gear, I know how to tear down the tripods, I know how to put up the lights. And he's like, this is fantastic. (laughs) And so, you know, being able to utilize that and really push them. And, you know, a couple of times they've said the talent that you bring out or the perspective you bring. The other day they showed me a video and I said, that slide's blue. You guys didn't white balance, you know, and so just being able to notice those things. But, you know, just pushing their talent and seeing what they create and some of their projects I am I am absolutely blown away by it It would rival any production studio and so to see the dedication it makes me really proud I love that so in your time at your new role what have you seen as the biggest marketing or communications trend that you feel is pushing your team toward the future like what are the things that you guys are are really focused on and that you see as sort of a larger picture that goes beyond just your team you know I think that marketing is going back to storytelling. And I absolutely love the direction it's going because the power of a story will never go away in any industry that you're in. I think for us too, it's reaching consumers in different ways. I think that healthcare and health insurance in 10 years will look different. And I don't think anyone really knows for sure what that means. You have right. Berkshire Hathaway and Amazon, and you know they're venturing out into the space. You have clinics popping up every day. We have new entrants into our market. And so to see how how quick partnerships are happening. I know that our VP of pharmacy said back in the day he would see one headline like this a month, and now there are three or four a day for what the industry is looking at. So I, d- I don't think anyone can really predict where it's going, but I think it's a tremendous opportunity to reach people in new ways. That's fantastic. So literally, that's all the questions I have. But now I just want to ask you open forum, like, is there anything else that you can think of off the top of your head that is relevant to share with a marketing audience. And you can totally cut my dumb question there because it was not good. I like it's it, not actually. a good question. <laughs> you know, as a journalist, the best answers I would always get were the last questions when I would say, 
Is there anything I didn't ask you? And I will tell you, probably 90% of the best responses I ever got were from that Come question. Come from the last part. <laughs> it, you know, and, and I think it's because people can process it and sit there. Now that I say that, I feel pressure to say something like, okay, remarkable. Okay, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> to absolutely deliver. No, I, I just think that, you know, I was in a fortunate um, fortunate situation to where I got to invest in a community for 13 and a half years, and that community gave back to me. And I feel... I feel really blessed as I go forward and the fact that I worked really hard. I think that that's important no matter what career transition that you ever make is that you have to go in with 100% certainty and it won't be perfect, but it's amazing when you learn those new skills and you get those opportunities. And I really appreciate the people that have reached out and asked me how it's gone or, or talked to me about their struggles in their own career journey because I had a job I know a million people would have wanted and I was very thankful for it, but I just knew in my heart I was ready. And it's obvious that like just from talking to you and seeing the enthusiasm in your eyes and hearing your voice, like it's it's the right transition for you. And Blue Cross Blue Shield is very lucky to have you on board now. Thank you. I feel very lucky to be there. And I feel every day that it's my job to support 1,200 employees and tell their stories. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Mallory Maddox. Um, we really appreciate your time here at AMA Omaha. And thank you for your support of our chapter. Absolutely. A partner media production.